I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Chief around here. Yeah, you see me, the tribal chief. That's right. Thank you. 
going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 378 of the Hoots Podcast, Shipping Tides. It's the name of this week's episode. And this is a very interesting week to uh, um, go on this journey and discuss with you guys as we were talking about a lot of different things happening uh, throughout the world of professional wrestling. And this is the week where we don't have a, um, a pay-per-view or a premium live event to preview or predict. So <laughs> this is going to be one of those fun weeks where I could um, take a step back and kind of take um, a macro look on a lot of different things from a lot of different promotions and just look at it from a bigger picture point of view. And that's why the name of this week's episode is called Shifting Tides. And uh, we got a lot to discuss uh, on the program. As always, welcome to the Hoots Podcast or the podcast at Hoots. Um, and I want to give a shout out to everybody who um, been rocking with us since day one. We are 22 episodes away from reaching episode 400. So again, if you've been hanging out with us since the beginning of the show with Adam Daly and I, or uh, this time last year, or any time you check out or listen to this podcast it means a lot to myself and everybody that makes the hoops, hoops podcast what it is it's not just my own individual effort but as i'm saying that uh, i am your surely the nefarious bar adam aka joshy lopez you can follow me on twitter at the hoops podcast pretty simple deal here on youtube as well you could follow us at the hoops podcast more importantly make sure to smash that subscribe button right now as we're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. I think we're about 13 away from reaching 500. So if you're watching this live or you're watching this later on the week on YouTube, do me a favor, make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. Not only you'll never miss an episode of this podcast uh, when it's recorded live, but you get some bonus content. You get to see some inspirational shorts that I share here and there. To get you guys mind off the of negative stuff and just trying to make you laugh a little bit. And uh, sometimes I might share some music reactions or guitar covers. So you get a little bit of everything on the channel and I appreciate the support. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. If you like Twitch uh, twitch.tv forward slash the Hoots podcast, you can check us out there. And the podcast is available on a pulpitude of audio platforms. Let's start this off, right? Amazon Music. What? <laughs> Spotify. What? I think I think uh notification came my way the other day where they said now you have to hit like a thousand Spotify listeners a month to qualify for ambassador ads. So this one I think we're about to start making some money for the pod. They always start changing the rules. I think I think Spotify and Anchor is trying to fuck with me, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um if you guys can share the audio version of the show um, throughout the week on multiple platforms. Even if you go back and listen to old episodes, you, know, you don't even listen to the whole thing. As much clicks as we can to get uh, to qualify for some bastard ads would mean a lot to me. So uh, if you're not, if you don't want to see this ugly face, <laughs> if you just want to listen to the audio version, you can do that on Spotify. But we're also available on Google Play, what? iHeartRadio, what? Um, I think we're also available on Castbox, what? <laughs> Radio Public, what? Uh, There's a, a boatload of places. And of course, I uh, can't forget about Apple Podcasts too. So uh, there's a lot of places where you can find a Hoots Podcast. And also, 
if you want to see my transcript work and you want to follow along with my journey as I'm back with my gig, uh, you can check out my transcripts for Raw, NXT, and SmackDown every single week at WrestlingHeadlines.com, formerly known as Lords of Pain. Uh, dot net, I think it was Lords of Pain dot com or dot net, whatever it was. But <laughs> WrestlingHeadlines.com is where you should find my play by play transcript. It's the most authentic and accurate form of journalism in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, I'm just keeping it a stack there. So, uh, like I said, there's a lot to discuss. We have new champions discussed, uh, a potential big name female wrestler could be. Heading towards uh, WWE, we'll get to that as well um, at the end of the show. Uh, now that the football season is back, I guess it'd be a good time for me to talk a little more football and change up a little bit of the flow. So usually when I did like what the hell is wrong with AW, I would go like, hey, let's do the clown of the week uh, on a lighter note to wrap up the show. But now football season is back. Um, when we get to that segment... I'll be making my predictions for that that particular weekend's games, and then I'll give you the client of the week. So, um, again, thanks to each and every single one of you for uh, giving the Hoots Podcast a chance. This is your uh, platform of positive mental escape. Uh, this place is uh, an enjoyable place, and I want it to be that way for you. And this podcast and uh, this general this show is um, an environment where I bring conversations that me and you would have in a back porch setting onto an audio platform so there's a little non-filter aspects of it but we keep it a hundred we try to have some fun and try to make you guys learn something throughout each show that we record so again thank you for uh rocking with me tonight so let's make our first segue to our first segment of the show as we usually start as tradition here on the podcast at hoots is otherwise known as the back porch q a session as always, if you have any questions you want to ask me about the world of wrestling, life, music, relationships, anything that's on your mind, uh, you can ask me a question as the show goes on. Um, you can hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. You can hit me up here in the live chat box at YouTube or Facebook as we're recording this live here on a Thursday night, September 14th. Excuse me. <laughs> September uh, 14th, 2023. And uh, also the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. So let's start off answering some questions, shall we? As we always do, we start off with the good brother Chris Zaletta at xteamzaletta 24 x on Twitter. Make sure to uh, throw up the X uh, for Chris, and uh, we appreciate his support. As always, uh, he says, what a boost. Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Thoughts on the news of Jade? You and Derek saw this coming for a while. Well, Krista, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we saw coming from a country mile when it comes to the world of AEW. It's just that we're ahead of the game than those who are trying to put AEW over and try to get jobs with them. Um, so <laughs> the, all this uh, scuttlebutt about Jake Cargill leaving and her coming in, uh, coming back just to do the favors for Chris Statlander on Rampage. Sorry for your spoiler. It's not like it's not as if anybody's watching that show anyway. Um, so Jake Hargill, the questions out there: Will she stay? Will she go to WWE? Uh, I guess we should start with the topic that everybody's talking about right now. <laughs> By the way, I'm saying shifting tides as the name of this week's episode because of all the stuff going on in the ring. Let alone, I'm forgetting the fact that, hey, (laughs) 
we had a merger this week with WWE and UFC, and now no McMahons own the WWE. So there's so much to discuss this week. But uh, let's talk about one of the other popular topics that's been on everybody's mind over these past 24 hours. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com made a report saying that uh, Jake Cargill's uh, contract is expiring soon, and uh, it's led to believe that she possibly could be heading towards WWE. I haven't been really following up on any further updates as far as whether that's true or not, because, again, I try to make sure that I distance myself from a lot of the rumor and innuendo BS. And here's the thing with my uh, perspective, especially as a guy who's been working in the wrestling media world for the last 10 years. There's a lot of clutter out there. It really is. It's not really a great time to be in the wrestling media field. Uh, It's not really a sustainable form of income you can make. It's not a sustainable career path. Uh, I really have busted my ass to get to where I am and try to have some type of a sustainable income uh, from my own point of view, especially as a guy who's not like popular or getting to get flown out to these shows for free and free hotels and <laughs> press passes and being in the press box and all that fun stuff. I- I'm not in that. All Everything from this show and my website and everything is a DIY thing. So, <laughs> um, you know, there's just a, a lot of clutter in the field right now, and it's very hard to take a lot of people seriously. But as I'm saying that, I do want to give a shout out to Sean because uh, I, for me personally, and just taking a step back and observing things, I, I just feel that Fightful is the most accurate like source of journalism in wrestling. And that's, <laughs> it, it's difficult to say because wrestling journalism is a very fleeting concept and practice in a lot of ways because there's not a lot of journalism actual journalism that's being practiced on these sites and there's a lot of copy and pasting and a lot of um summarizing what other people said on their shows and i i I get the whole aggregation part of the industry but uh, i feel like a lot of us a lot of these sites are uh leading the wrestling fans astray and it's very unfortunate and i do appreciate what sean brings to the table for the fact that you know, yeah, he's very opinionated and he has his thoughts and he sticks true to his guns. And I, I could respect that to a certain extent. But also, I appreciate the fact that he, uh, Sean is like very uh, accountable with uh, the way he goes about his reporting. If he gets something wrong, he retracts it. Uh, yes, he could pick fights with people on Twitter and stuff like that. But besides that point, I do respect. Uh, what he's done in the field and is somebody for me that has a justifiable reason to <laughs> question and have a, I don't want to say a bitter perspective, but just a, uh, an outlook of wrestling journalism is just not good right now. I, I, I have a right to have that perspective just from the things I've seen, not only being published, but my experience behind the scenes and seeing how things are actually going with a lot of these sites. So um, I do want to give a shout out to Sean because he, he he's one of the few like myself who actually puts the work in <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. So uh, he, he put out the report saying that it could be a possibility that Jake Hargill 
is going to WWE. And I put the tweet out last night. And I really haven't had a chance to expand on it because, look, Twitter is a cesspool. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of my takes and stuff and things I want to expand on when it comes to wrestling, I use this platform now for it. And this has been a lot of source of growth and maturity for me. Like, maybe three or four years ago, I could own up to the fact that I would, like, spend days uh, trying to uh, debunk stupid shit that I would see on sites and, you know, make threads and do all this stuff. And, like, I'm wasting my time on Twitter uh, trying to give a clear perspective, uh, big picture perspective on different topics when I could be expressing that stuff on this show. And it's just a lot of wasted energy that I put on Twitter over the years. And this is part of me growing and maturing and understand that I have a platform here. <laughs> everything I need, everything I need to say, I say here and that's where it counts. I don't need to expand on my, all my wrestling thoughts on Twitter because I'm not, when I share something on Twitter, I'm not doing it for the likes and the retweets and the followers. I want to earn that stuff. And I value the responsibility that I have to come on here and be authentic with you guys. So why am I going to waste energy making threads and stuff on Twitter of all my thoughts on what's going on and have these dumb, silly debates on wrestling? Them. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. Oh, this source is wrong. That source is wrong. Like It's just defeating the purpose. So when it comes to this whole situation, here's my here's my take. Here's my hot take. Here's another fumbled opportunity, fumbled bag by the quote-unquote booker of the year. And whether or not she stays in AEW or not, I personally don't care. But it has to be said, if Jay Cargill is going to WWE, that is a complete and utter flop by AEW. It just is. Because that's a homegrown star. There's very few people on that roster that has the appeal from a presentation standpoint that could grab somebody that's changing the channel and be like, oh, damn, who's this chick? Like, you don't have that. There's a lot of guys that look very generic and have the same generic uh, Ring of Honor PWG wrestling style. There's very It's very hard to differentiate a lot of different people on the show, despite my indifference towards Orange Cassidy's gimmick. I understand that he appeals to a lot of different people because he's doing something different. I don't like what he does. I think he's generic in the ring, and I don't get the gimmick. But again, he is a star in his own right because he has a different appeal to a different audience. And he, he, you, when you turn on the channel and see what he's doing, at least you're intrigued. Maybe five seconds later, you're like, what the fuck I'm watching? But still, you get what I'm saying here. And Jay Cargill is one of those performers uh, to a big certain extent. And I do think that her stock, her star power could be on another level as time goes on. And I think that she is very talented. Obviously, she has everything from a visual looks point of view and all that. Is she the greatest wrestler in the world? No, but she doesn't have to. She's one of those characters where everything she does in the ring, what she says on a microphone, placates to what she's presenting as a character. 
And when you see her, she is a star. Everybody talks about that it factor. So what does that say about the company that offers elite wrestling that they can't re-sign Jay Cargill to a new contract and would allow her to go to WWE where I think in a lot of ways, and me and Brother Carter have talked about this on the show in past episodes, that the way Jay Cargill's character presented just works better in that WWE platform. And that that's the thing. <laughs> you have stars, and then AW's attention is on generic wrestlers that you can see on five different promotions. And this is what happens with Jay Cargill. She has a good title reign with the TBS title. We don't see anything from her. Oh, creative has nothing for her. Um, by the way, where's Wardlow at? <laughs> where's Wardlow at? Another guy. A guy you, you start changing channels like, holy shit, who's this big dude? <laughs> Agile, could fly around the ring like a cruiserweight. You know, has a presence. And it's like, in some ways, AW just sneers their nose at those type of performers. I mean, hell, every time I, I see Big Bill, by the way, which is a stupid-ass name for a wrestler, Big Bill, every time I see him on the show, he comes out, and it's like, okay, big, tall guy, but he's always losing to every short dude on the roster. He lost to Darby. He lost to Pockets. I'm pretty sure that somebody else beat him on the on the show, Jungle Boy, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to like the other, it's just very narrow-minded approach with the stars that are pushed in AEW, with the exception of Samoa Joe, but Samoa Joe already had a name for himself before he came to AEW. By the way, where's Keith Lee at? So you, you notice the pattern here. <laughs> um... That's the thing. You have a natural homegrown start that you had in AW with Jay Cargill. And now here we are about a year later, you know, six months after her title reign. Now she's about to go to WWE. What what does that say about you? So <laughs> if it if this is a real thing and she's going for WWE, I'm happy for her. If she stays in AW, really, what's going to change? <laughs> Is anybody going to sit through a Jay Cargill and Britt Baker feud? Are we going to sit here and believe that Soraya and Jay Cargill are going to have a a business breakthrough feud? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. I think the sky's the limit from a star potential for Jay Cargill. And I, I just hope what's best for her, she gets out of it. Um, next question for Chris. He says, who do you think can step up in the AEW's women's division after Jade's possibly exit? Well, um, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't know why they're just keeping Penelope Ford at <laughs> being at, on the side of uh, Times New Roman font. Like, I get it. They're married. Congratulations. But, like, she's very good in the ring. She has another another thing. You know, she has a sex appeal. She got the look. She could work in the ring. She is good at what she does, but you don't see her wrestle. <laughs> um, the bunny, you know, Athena is stuck on a uh, Ring of Honor Dark. Oh, my bad. Ring of Honor. So, I don't know. <laughs> Mercedes Martinez, 
they bring in Ty Valkyrie for one feud, and they're not doing they're not doing much with her either. Are we gonna see her believe Nyra Rose is gonna get another title shot and another another title win? I I don't know, and do I honestly care whether she gets it or not? No, I don't. So it's hard it's hard to answer that question, Chris. It really is. Um Let's uh, continue on here. Let's get some more questions. Uh, whose performance player-wise last week in the NFL surprised you? Um, that's a good question. Surprise? I, I think for me, the, the performance that surprised me the most, uh, just due to the nature of his entry and stuff in the playoffs, was uh, Brock Purdy. Uh, in in that game with the Steelers, and look, I I've been consistent on the show. I think that the 49ers are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. They are world beaters in the regular season, and they have made appearances in the NFC Championship game. But where's the hardware, you know? <laughs> and for Brock Purdy, you know his story, you know being Mister Irrelevant. Just seeing like how poised that guy is in uh in the way he carries himself um during games and stuff, it's just it's very good. And it's like Pittsburgh has a really good defense and he was like <laughs> he walked into Acrisure and started playing like he was Tom Brady. I, I was laughing my ass off watching that on Red Zone the other day, and I'm like, damn, this dude is just kicking their ass the entire time. <laughs> so uh, Brock Purdy from the 49ers uh, was the one that surprised me the most. It looks like we got another football question. I was waiting for how long this one was going to come in. Um, <laughs> after last week's loss to the Packers, how do you see your Bears season trending? Oh, God, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess you want me to be pissed off right now. <laughs> no. For those wondering, no, the Chicago Bears will not be my clown of the week. No, I'm not going to say you should trade Justin Fields by the trade deadline. No, I'm not saying Matt Eberflus uh, should be on the hot seat. No, Ryan Poles will not be on the hot seat either. Let's have an honest conversation. Can we have an honest conversation with you guys? Is that okay? As someone who lives in Chicago, as those are watching the screen, you can visually tell here that I'm a Chicago sports fan. Being a Chicago sports fan is a blessing and a curse. One of my biggest idols in my life, Michael Jordan over there, is a big influence for me. You see me wearing a Bulls t-shirt right now. <laughs> I am a Chicago sports fan. But this city... For as passionate as it is, maybe the most narrow-minded, delusional, idiotic fan base on God's green earth. And I'm saying that with the notion of understanding that I see my teams continuously, continuously be inept at what they do. The last sustainable franchise that we had in this city were the Blackhawks which now, in retrospect, are not even regarded in high regard just due to the nonsense that was going on behind the scenes during that time period. We don't need to get into that right now. My point is here is that, okay, the Packers came into Soldier Field and they whooped the Bears' ass. 
the same song and dance that's been going on my entire life. Uh, and I was born in 1994 through Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Now Jordan Love has his special moment in the Bears rivalry, uh, Bears Packer rivalry. Started off the NFL season. Guy looks like fucking Joe Montana out there. Doesn't miss passes, scrambles, miraculously tight ends are left wide open 30 yards down the fucking field. Every little break that you think the Packers would get, they got it. And I, it's not even a referee thing. It, it's like I, I can't really put it to one sentence to describe how I feel watching that Packers-Bears game because it's the same thing I've seen over and over and over again. We can't block their defensive line. Their their wide receivers. Uh, <laughs> every time the backers play the Bears, their receivers are like a ninety nine on Madden in real life. <laughs> Romeo Dobbs is making catches like To. Uh, Aaron Jones starts running all over the Bears defense like he's Emmett Smith. <laughs> I I'm at, I'm just like numb at this point. I'm not mad. I'm not pissed. What do, what do I need to be pissed about? <laughs> you know what's really funny? That's going to piss the Bears fans off even more. The last time the Bears beat the Packers at Soldier Field, everybody's favorite, Mitch Trubisky, was the starting quarterback, and he beat Aaron Rodgers at Soldier Field to clinch the NFC North in 2018, which is the ultimate irony in this entire situation. So, yeah, I could come on here and do this dog and pony dance like we've been hearing on all the local radio stations here in Chicago on the score and ESPN 1000 and talk about, oh, see, that that right there is the reason why they should have uh, practiced in the preseason, you know? That's why they should have made sure they practiced in the preseason and played all the preseason games. Look, I'm not going to come here and have this silly preseason debate with you guys. The Steelers look like world beaters in the preseason and got their ass kicked 30-7 to by the 49ers. Now, the pack, the Packers came here and whooped the Bears' ass. Am I saying the Packers are on the same level as the 49ers? No. But nothing that happened on the lakefront on Sunday was a surprise to me. Not one thing. It's embarrassing. To go into a game and go into the new season every year. Okay, now it's time to shift the uh, shift the direction of the football team. Now it's our time to make sure that we stand out. It's time for us to take over division. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Aaron Rodgers is not the Packers quarterback. Now is the Bears' time. It just, I don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> what, what's there to be said? Okay, the, every time the Packers come into the Soldier Field, except that year in 2018, the Bears get themselves in a fetal position. Am I going to come here and pop a blood vessel because the, the Packers came in and beat the Bears in the home opener? Wow, the Packers came into the the Packers came to Chicago and beat the Bears, and water is wet. <laughs> I, 
me coming here and debating what the future is or is this coach on the hot seat. I'm just tired of this this cycle that we're in. Every three years, we got to shuffle in a new quarterback and a new coach and a new general manager and blah, 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 blah. It, it's the same old shit every year. So, okay. We have a game on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm at the point where I just need to see something different <laughs> when I watch these games. I'm just tired of the whole deal. I'm, I'm just tired of it. <laughs> there's nothing else that there's nothing for me to come in here and scream at the top of my lungs about with the Chicago Bears. It's the same thing over and over and over again. So I don't know what trend is coming out of this game, Chris. I really don't. I know that we played the Chiefs after we played the Bucks. Probably will get our ass kicked in that game too. So I, I, I'm just like, I want to say I'm indifferent, but I, I just think I'd be like, um, how do I say this? I would be wasting my time and energy coming out here and popping a blood vessel over what happened on Sunday. Yeah, no shit. I'm freaking tired of being the Packers bitch year in and year out. How about that? I'm I'm tired of it. it. It's nonsense. Like, grow a set. Pop somebody in the mouth. Why the hell is Jordan Love escaping pressure which way from Sunday and this dude's throwing 30-yard bombs down the field? Why the fuck can we get off the field on third down or fourth down? Oh, here's a 19-yard pass here. Oh, here's a 26-yard pass here on third down. And then, like I mentioned earlier, that that scramble play where the tight end, who's lucky he fell on his ass, would have had a walk-in touchdown. So, there you go, guys. There's there that, that that that's my thoughts for the Bears of that happened on Sunday. Deanna is scheduled to be a free agent the first of 2024. Does she remain with Impact or gives WWE a no shot? Sorry, can't consider AW with the bad track record. Track record of former knockouts they've haven't done anything with. Well, uh, Chris, I don't blame you for feeling that way because I feel the same way there too. Um, I think Deanna will probably will stay. You know, it was interesting. Jordan Grace for a while was a free agent, and I guess she decided to come back too. So. I mean, Deanna has a good thing going for her in Impact, and they let her do what she wants to do, and she's one of those performers that is very high on that, oh, I gotta be an artist, and I gotta do things on my own terms and stuff like that, and, um, you know, we would have seen her having a much brighter success in WWE if she stayed, but obviously she has bitter feelings over how things went down in that run in NXT, so... It's really on her. I, I want what's best for her. I think she could do good stuff in WWE. But but then again, we get to this conversation. Do you want to be a good performer? Or are you just going to run to the dirt sheets and have people feel sorry for you whenever you're not getting pushed or getting title shots? So we'll have to see. Uh, regardless of the presentation slash stakes of this match, do you still consider this a possible moment for Eddie Kingston at Grand Slam? 
Well, <laughs> I thought this time last year was a moment for Claudio Castagnoli at Grand Slam, and guess what? Chris Jericho beat him. So what's going to surprise me about Claudio retaining the Ring of Honor world title that nobody gives two shits about at Grand Slam next week? I get it. They're in New York. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I love Eddie, and that would be a cool moment for him to win at Grand Slam. But even then, it's like, is it going to mean anything after the fact? Who gives a shit about Ring of Honor now? It's AEW Dark and Jace. That's what Ring of Honor is right now. So, I think there's too many moments that pass Eddie Kingston by in AEW. The Chris Jericho feud. Moxley, etc., etc. It's just, I don't know. Uh, thoughts on this Samoa Joe run? I'm happy for him. Obviously, he's getting a lot of opportunities that... Uh, probably would have gone CM Punk's direction if Punk didn't get in his own way. But um, I'm I'm happy for him. I've always been a fan of Samoa Joe. And it looks like he's doing what he wants to do. And he's getting the proper respect, right, that he wants from everybody. And I guess that's, that's the thing we should take away from, you know, that moment. And uh, I'm happy for him, uh, him getting the title shot. He's done good TV so far this year in 2023. And um, he looks like he's staying healthy, which is the most important thing to me because that guy's dealt with a shitload of a lot of injuries. So <laughs> um, I, I'm happy for him. I think he's doing good work, and we'll see where things go for him um, after this match. Uh, with over the next year likely being Brian Danielson's last year as a full-timer, who would you like to see him have matches with? Well, we've done Okada. Obviously, we got Zack Sabre Jr. at uh, Wrestle Gimmick. I mean, Wrestle Dream. Um, we have... Part of me would like to see him against uh, Shin uh, Shingo. I think it would be very, very good. Uh, I think Brian and Shingo would be a very, very good match. Um, uh, Brian and Shingo would be a, a dope, dope match. Uh, I think that would be really cool, him and Shingo Takagi. Hell, you know, Brian and Will Ospreay would be a good match, too. Um, maybe not for uh, <laughs> Brian from the, his history and his past with his concussions, but, um, you know, there's matches in New Japan that are out there for him to explore and have some good work. You know, maybe him and Jeff Cobb can have a good match. Um, in AW, maybe you could do him. I, I, here, here's a few that nobody brings up that I think would work really well. Um, now that Brian's gonna be more uh, focused and spotlighted on Collision, I think him having a few with Jay White would be very good and beneficial for Brian Danielson. I'm not the biggest Brian Danielson fan in the world, but. I can see him and Jay White having a really good view with each other. So that's my opinion. Uh, does Tiffany regain the NXT Women's title for Becky at NXT No Mercy? Is this just window dressing adding to the mix? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that a little, little later on, Chris. I, all I'll say right now is just continue to watch the shows. Not this one. I'll talk about the NXT. Uh, I, wanna, I don't want to rush into conclusions of what this means for Becky or Tiffany. All I will say right now is that anybody that's saying that her or LA Knight are buried, uh, just need to be quiet because they're not buried. 
that that's stupid. Watching that match on Tuesday night, and you're telling me that she's buried. I, I don't know about that, man. I I really don't. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, we got here. We got a few months. Liv or Becky should face Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Well, originally I was thinking that maybe uh, Bianca Belair would fight. Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, you know, she could win the Royal Rumble and come to Raw and challenge Rhea Ripley. I don't think there's anything in the the brand split rules where you can't <laughs> uh, challenge somebody from a different brand title, even though you're on a different brand. It's it's been done a million times in the past, especially during the original brand split where somebody from SmackDown wins the Royal Rumble, they go challenge for the WWE, t- uh, the by bad the World Heavyweight Title on Raw. So. Um, I don't see why that would have worked, but from the options that you put out there, Chris, I would definitely say that Becky's on the top of that list. And obviously that's a big time, big money type matchup for uh, WrestleMania. And that's definitely a match you would think would get the opportunity to uh, main event night one. So I, I think Becky Lynch is probably your best guest there, but that's a very good question. Uh, Impact is celebrating their 1,000 episode this week. What are some of your favorite moments slash matches from TNA slash Impact? Chris, I'm glad you asked this question because uh, I, I I didn't know if I was going to have enough time this week to uh, give props to Impact for celebrating 1,000 episodes, so I'm glad you uh, asked me this question. Well, here's the deal. I, first off, I want to say congratulations to Scott DeMore and the entire crew from Impact for making 1,000 episodes. We all know that TNA Impact is the brand that will never die. <laughs> uh, and reaching a 1,000 episodes is not easy. And I don't think Impact gets enough credit for uh, the stuff they do currently. And historically, I don't think they get enough credit for the stuff they've brought to today's wrestling as well. Um, there's been a lot of cool moments from Impact. Obviously, Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle's uh, first confrontation for me is one that stands out a lot. Um, you know... Um, I really like the main event mafia. I loved Booker T, <laughs> uh, during that, sh- uh, stick at TNA. And, you know, he was there having a brawl in the ring and he's like, Oh, Booker T gonna give, gonna give that girl, give, give that dude a big old thrust kick. <laughs> By the way, it was funny in that, in that segment, that brawl, he gave the thrust kick to, um, Xavier Woods, who was a consequence, uh, consequences creed at the time. Oh man, if you ever seen that video, it's hilarious. Oh, Booker T gonna get him a Larry. He's gonna whoop that. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I can do a pretty good Booker T impression. Oh, shucky ducky quack quack. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, he's doing commissary with Kevin Nash. He's like, oh, I'll butter you up like a biscuit. <laughs> Sop her up with a biscuit. <laughs> That's a um, I was a, I was a big, big fan of the aces and eights. Um, I really enjoyed that faction. Hell, there was a time period where I, when I first started uh, going to broadcast school, I would get made fun of at times from the guys that I was doing the show with and being the producer for, they would bust my chops for being one of the few that would still watch impact at the time. It would have the aces and eights beanie cap. I had that. <laughs> I, maybe I still do actually. I have to look in and see if I still got it. But um, there was an impact that was being taped after uh, the moment where Bully Ray won the title 
and join Aces and Aints. I, I think it was the lockdown pay-per-view. That next set of Impact tapings was in Chicago at the uh, Now Arena, formerly known as the Sears Center. I was at that show. I, I remember like it was yesterday because I was 19 and I was at that show and it was literally like, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks after I started going to broadcasting school. And I, I went to the show uh, with a friend of my family's, uh, Angel Lopez. I want to give a shout out to Angel for uh, being a good brother over the years. Um, he brought me to the show. The show's out there at Hoffman the Saints. I don't really go there that much often. I also ran to my cousin, uh, Bobby Keeney, who's a big wrestling fan there, too. So we had a good time. We were on the floor at the show. Uh, I saw Eric Bischoff having a conversation with Al Snow. And I, I think that was the first time I ever saw Bruce Pritchard in person, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and that, that was just a crazy night because that's when AJ Styles returned and he was a baby face. Uh, they had uh, the Bully Ray, Hulk Hogan, Brooke Hogan feud going on at the time. <laughs> A lot of crazy stuff on that uh, during that time on Impact. Obviously, Bully putting Dixie Carter through a table was cool. Um, really liked the the rivalry with uh, James Storm and Bobby Roode. Uh, those were a lot of good matches over the years. And of course, I'd be remiss without mentioning the uh, Jay Lethal Ric Flair uh, woo off, <laughs> uh, the infamous uh, back and forth segment that they had on Impact. Uh, one of the best segments in the history of pro wrestling. And, of course, uh, the Steiner, uh, the Scott Steiner math promo, which was brought back to life uh, this week on Dynamite, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. But all in all, some some cool stuff, man. I, 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 I'm happy for Impact. They um, survived this long. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit for the stuff they've gone through as a company and to be where they are. Obviously, they don't get enough credit for the stuff they've done um, historically, especially with the women on the knockout side. Um, I think uh, the matches that uh, Josh, I think there was like this, I don't, I don't want to say like an Iron Man match, but there was like this match that went like for, I don't know, over an hour with Josh Alexander and Mike Bailey that I uh, transcribed a couple years ago, which was insane. Um, just a lot of, a lot of great different memories for impact. Uh, so Chris, I'm glad you asked me those questions. So thank you so much. Our last set of questions here comes from the good brother, Mike Rubio at main event swerve. I want to thank the good brother Mike for sending me questions as always. He says, what a boost to your question for the uh, Q and a this week. Can you believe that at least statistically the Cowboys are the best team in the NFL after week one? Well, they're playing the New York Giants, so I I want to <laughs> I want to get too excited over the, what the cow the cowgirls did to the Giants, but hey, you know, going on the road on Sunday Night Football and shutting out your division rival, I guess, is very impressive. But again, just like Stephen A. would say, just wait. <laughs> the collapse will happen. You just gotta wait for it. Uh, so I want to say that. Um, I'm going to say that I would believe in the Cowboys just yet. Uh, what is the biggest prize in the NFL season so far? Aaron Rodgers, 15 minutes of game, something else. Well, um, yeah, that Aaron Rodgers injury was pretty interesting, huh? Um, you know, I, I enjoy his stuff on the Pat McAfee show. I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan out there. Well, also, I'm not a... Uh, douche canoe and I don't 
wish injuries at other performers. But, um, yeah. That's the shitty thing about life, man. They'll throw obstacles at you at you least expected. You know, they got all this hype going into the season about them being Super Bowl contenders. Mike Greenberg uh, getting even more annoying, which I didn't think would be even possible. But Mike Greenberg uh, and Rich Eisen drooling all over themselves about the Jets actually being good for the first time in 50 years. Um, yeah, it happened. It, it's unfortunate. It really is. I would say probably for me, the biggest surprise was uh, seeing like the 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 fight that the Buccaneers gave to the, the Vikings. And I'm sorry to bring this up to Nathan Great, but like, like it looked like the Buccaneers wanted that game more than the Vikings. You know, this the Buccaneers coming to the season. Everybody's like, "Oh, this is gonna be the team that tanks," and they're just phoning it in to get draft picks. And you know, they're gonna let Mike Evans go to free agency. But they they brought the fight. Um, I was not surprised by the Bengals getting their ass kicked by the Browns because hey, they lost to Mention and Pittsburgh Steelers last week uh, last season in Week One. So. Uh, traditionally, the Bengals are kind of ass on week one of the NFL season, so I wasn't really surprised by that. Uh, what do you think about Becky Lynch finally winning NXT Women's Championship? Also, did he ever, did you ever watch when she was doing the Irish jigs in NXT? I'll answer the second question because I want to save that uh, other question for this week at WWE. Um, yes, I did see her uh, when she was doing the Irish jigs. Believe it or not, folks, I... When they started doing that whole four horse women thing in NXT, I always felt that Becky Lynch had the opportunity to be the uh, best, like, pure performer out of the four. Uh, there's good characteristics that Sasha Banks brings, uh, brings from a visual point of view, but her promos are kind of hit and miss, and she's kind of generic in the ring. Bailey, uh, in in a lot of ways, has uh, surprised me over the years. Just for her ability to transition as that baby face to a heel. Um, I always knew Charlotte was going to be good. You know, Stevie Wonder could figure out that fact that Charlotte was going to be good. But honestly, for me, and I'm glad to be proven right as the years gone by, but I always thought that Becky Lynch had the most potential out of the four horsewomen. And it still shows all these years later, Becky Lynch is still one of the top three or top two female wrestlers in the world. And, um, to see where she got from the Irish jig thing to where she is now is it's is a really cool thing. So, um, what is the most tired you've ever felt in a week, and how did you handle it? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I, I had two occasions. I, I mentioned this before uh, that that week where CM Punk uh, made his debut at AEW at the United Center. That was just a very very busy weekend for me. Not only going to the show, but also I had like nine wrestling shows to cover that uh, weekend. There was the SummerSlam at Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. There was the NXT show uh, PLE. There was the New Japan show. There was. Uh, uh, NWA, there was other stuff that I had to cover that weekend. So there was just a lot going on and um, just a lot of water and not much sleep. Uh, I hate to use the Nike term, but I just did it. It is what it is. Um, I, probably my other busiest week was probably like 
I don't know, maybe like homecoming weeks during high school where I would have a football game, then we would have uh, jazz concerts here and there and practices. And I, I was juggling a lot during high school, obviously, because I needed to get my mind off the stuff that was going on at home. So I was very busy in high school. I would like start off my days being at the school from like 630 and sometimes I wouldn't get home to like, I don't know, a quarter to seven or eight o'clock sometimes if we had night games for football. So um, it was a lot of time spent out of that house <laughs> uh, during that time period. But um, that's a good question. Um, what is your favorite childhood toy or game slash video game, etc. that today's generation would not understand? That's a good one. Um, I'd probably give two of them. Uh, probably... Uh, for video games, I'd probably say uh, Crash Bandicoot or um, Lord, any of the Lord of the Rings games. Um, I don't think the kids today would have the patience for uh, that type of game, but uh, that's just me. Childhood toys. I had toys, but it was a little different for me. Uh, I was really into the wrestling action figures. Um, you know, my aunts and my mom and my dad could tell you that I would like do my own commentary and I would put like the wrestlers in alphabetical order or I would like I would reenact a pay-per-view card using the same guys in the same match order from that same pay-per-view and do my best Jim Ross impression and call the action and stuff like that. Uh, I had these like um, <laughs> uh, like Digimon uh, toys and Pokemon, and we, we I would have like a pure safe brawl with those toys. <laughs> so, uh, it's a lot of nerdy stuff here. I'm ashamed to admit, here like 25 years later, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, th those, those were my uh favorite stuff back in then, especially the wrestling action figures for me. Those were my favorite. So, yeah, th that's a very good question. All right, um. What age did you get your first cell phone, and what did it look like? Well, I think I got my first uh, cell phone when I was, um, I think, either 15 or 16. I know it was in high school. Um, my first cell phone looked like one of those old-school military cell phones. It was pretty badass, actually. I forgot the brand of it, but uh, my dad got me this like military-style headphone that he saw uh, my military uh, cell phone, and it was badass. I I really liked that phone a lot. It was cool. I liked the design of it, and that one stands out the most to me. So it, it was definitely that by the time I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, uh, that's when I got my first cell phone. Um, what snack food? Uh, what snack food has proven the test of time? And your surprise is still around gushers or Dunkaroos. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I'd probably say Gushers and also Dots. <laughs> I like Dots. I know it's a random candy out there. I haven't had Dots in a very long time. Um, I've been uh, un uh, under construction, as you guys can tell, listening and watching these shows for the past three four months. Uh, this week, especially, it's been uh, very... Not difficult, but, uh, you know, fighting fatigue and... Kind um, you know, I think that the volume of walking that I'm doing is starting to catch up to me, but it's also a good motivation to push through. Like today was not easy to do what I was doing, and um, 
you know, I've been, um, you know, I've been consistent. You know, I've been drinking two, uh, two of these every day and <laughs> having my meal preps and everything. And I've been making so much like sacrifice and all this stuff. And it's stuff that I wanted to do. Again, it's not me complaining, but, you know, I think the volume of walking has started to catch up with me. And I just got to make sure that um, I got to scale back the amount of walking that I'm doing um for particular days if i could do 30,000 a day <laughs> that'd be awesome if i could do that but uh doing it multiple times throughout the week is not easy uh let alone doing 20,000 so i have i have to pace myself and you know uh the, the main thing is consistency and uh, you know there's sayings out there that you know you're you're going to have a good clean healthy lifestyle if you're doing 10,000 a day but throughout this week and just over the last, especially the last two months, I, there'd be days where I'd be doing uh, 20, 25,000, 30,000 steps and trying to shed off as much weight as possible. But again, it's like uh, I can't force results. I have to be consistent, which I am. And, you know, just I've been drinking nothing but water this whole month. Uh yeah, this whole month and a half, and um, <laughs> I'm at the beginning stage. I'm, I'm I'm at like stage one of this project, and I'm seeing progress, and I'm feeling happy and all that. But you know, those, those, there are days when fatigue comes in, and it, it starts catching up with you. And I just like today, I pushed through. Um, did didn't complain, didn't feel sorry for myself. Just got to push through it. So. Long, long story short to what I'm trying to answer your question here. I'm like, <laughs> um, I, I like dots, but I can't have them just like I can't have like those, uh, frosty cakes and stuff. You know, I, I just can't have that stuff now. So just trying to make the best out of the whole situation. And, you know, I'm feeling great and we got a long way to go, but I'm making progress and all that fun stuff is good. So. Uh, what show are you more like more likely to watch, Master Chef or Dancing with the Stars? Um, I'd probably say Master Chef only because I'm starting to learn how to cook and I'm doing a pretty decent job at it so far. So I'd probably say Master Chef. Um, what are you more likely to watch, the new first take on ESPN or the new Fatal Four Way Undisputed format on FS1? Well, that new four-way uh, format at FS1 could go the fuck home and stay the fuck home because I don't care about Richard Sherman um, and hearing Skippy <laughs> uh, talk just makes my ear crawl, uh, make my ears just, I don't know, They make, it makes my ears bleed. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I'll probably just watch the new first take because uh, Shannon Sharp makes me crack up. Um, all right. Ooh, <laughs> he says, so I know you're straight edge, but what about alcohol infused desserts like rum cake and things like that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to trying that out, but again, like I just, I just choose not to drink alcohol. That's the thing. I mean, over the years when I was a kid and stuff, I would have, like, sips of beer and stuff that my grandpa would give me. Uh, excuse me, stuff like that. And I would have, like, scotch at, like, my Uncle Vito's, like, football parties when I was younger and stuff I should have been doing. But 
<laughs> That's a big wire jug with gear to echo coming from the bottle. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is like, um, for me, uh, I just, I, it's just not for me. The alcohol, smoking and doing drugs, it's just not me. And yes, I could think my guy CM Punk pretty inspiration, but no, uh, I'm fine the way I am. I'm not going to be a snob and be like, no, I can't have rum cake. I'll give it a shot, but is it something that I'm actively looking to have and partake in? That's going to be a, a no. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, will the pairing of Austin Theory and Grayson Waller make you like Waller less? No, it make me like him more. I like heat on my wrestling show. It is what it is. <laughs> Was the most was the more unlikely possibility a few months ago? A Puerto Rico premium live event, Becky Lynch winning the NXT title, or Nia Jax making a big splash against Rhea Ripley? I'd probably say the latter option there because I was not expecting Milton Bradley to be back on my TV screen. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So Nia Jax is back with WWE. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last question here. Have you seen that Netflix show quarterback? If so, what do you think? If not, who would you like to see in the show next season? Well, that's it for now. Keep it oozy and have a good weekend. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you, good brother, for sending questions as always. Uh, yes, I, I watched the entire series. Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, yeah, Jackson Mahomes is still a clown. Uh, but I, I thought the show painted Kurt Cousins in a good light. And... Um, I was I was really intrigued more to see what the hell was going on with Marcus Mariota and the Falcons last season. So that whole story was interesting to sit through, but I don't know. And the guy has the right to be cocky because he is the best quarterback in the league, but I don't know. There's something about Patrick Mahomes just rubs me the wrong way. So I like the show, but I thought it was a good showcase for Kirk Cousins and the other guys was just there for me, so. As far as the other guys I would like to see on the show, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't like keep up too much with the personalities of the NFL players. I just watch the games and then assess it from there. So there's not really like one that like stands like, oh, I need to see this guy. I would definitely like to see Mitch on the show and see if he like tackles the topics of people poking fun of him. You know, it's it, it, it's amazing, man. I never seen an athlete. Um, excuse me. I never seen an athlete in my life live in the heads of more sports fans than Mitch Trubisky. Every time I go on Twitter, the dude is trending. The guy is the backup in Pittsburgh, and this guy is getting trended every single day. Not only during the season, but the off season too. I it just amazes me, like. People make him out to be the worst quarterback of all time. <laughs> I don't know if the, how that could be the case when you, um, you know, <laughs> when you're being talked about and trending on Twitter every single day. I just, I just don't get it. So I, I would be curious about that because I think he has an interesting story and, you know, picking the brain of uh, somebody who is a, uh, a backup, seeing the life of a backup quarterback would be interesting in my opinion. So, um, Thank you, Mike and Chris, for the questions. As always, if you guys have any questions for me, as always, you can hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, when we come back, I'll recap what happened this week in the world of WWE right here at the Hoots Podcast.
right, folks. It's time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Um, there's a lot of avenues to uh, go through here for this segment this week, and I want to make sure that I don't leave anything uh, left unturned here. But um, I guess we should go with SmackDown first because that's a show that's airing tomorrow, and then there's other stuff that we got to sprinkle in too. I, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to mention the WWE... USC merger in the description. I'll have to put that after the show's over. But um, anyways, um, I really thought like this week in WWE was really a shifting of a lot of different tides. That's why I named the this week's episode "Shifting Tides." Not only with the stuff with Jake Cargill possibly coming to WWE, but just a lot of stuff that's gone on with Raw and SmackDown and now NXT. I just feel like there's a lot of different movements going on. A lot of uh, different changes going on as we're heading into the fall season. And, you know, a lot of things are up in the air right now as far as what WrestleMania 40 will look like outside of Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes Part 2. But, you know, when you go to SmackDown, you're seeing Jimmy Uso being a, a douche canoe, a, a stooge, a clown. Now he wants to get back in the bloodline. Um, God knows when we're going to see Roman Reigns again. Uh, so he has to prove himself to Paul Heyman. He has a match with AJ Styles. Um, AJ ends up beating Jimmy Uso, but um, it looks like AJ is being positioned to be the guy to fight uh, Roman Reigns next for the uh, WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, which I don't personally have a problem with. I really don't. I don't know if that's a match that's going to happen at a uh, crown jewel. Maybe, maybe that could be the match that's going to happen at crown jewel. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things up in the air right now. You know, you got, that's why I'm saying shifting tides. There's like new factions brewing up. We had a confrontation with the judgment day and, um, the new hurt business with, uh, Bobby Lashley and street profits after their match last week with, um, Rich Holland and Butch, which was a good match. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the, the women's tag match with Bailey and uh, um, EO against Charlotte and Shotzi, I thought that was a very good match as well. Um, nice little storyline developments going on between all those people. Uh, LA Knight uh, got a victory over Austin Theory. Um, John Cena will be the special guest on the Grayson Waller effect tomorrow night, so it looks like you could see a scenario where it's a tag team match with um, Grayson Waller in Austin Theory against John Cena and LA Knight. But LA Knight has to go through the Miz one more time. They'll be having their rematch for payback tomorrow night. So good stuff there. And that was pretty much it from SmackDown in case I missed anything. But uh, it was, you know, they're starting to crinkle in the layers again of what word things are going to stand with the bloodline. And that's the thing, man. I, I, the only true movement that we can see from the bloodline is the stuff when Roman Reigns is there, but he's not there. So it, it really is just a guessing game. And it's hard, you know, they make that turn at SummerSlam, and now you're trying to figure out where things are going to stand uh, between Jimmy and Jay. They're going to hold things off towards WrestleMania, which I think is the right call. I really do. But also at the same time, uh, you're going to have these people comparing the booking from Jimmy Uso and Jay, and I've already heard this on multiple shows this week, and it's like, 
guys, there's more important shit to pro wrestling than booking. If that's the only thing on your mind, I think you're watching this stuff for the wrong reasons. And yeah, the objective for Jimmy Uso is to not be people marking after him. He's not supposed to be liked. <laughs> and it's like people misconstrue people booing him to, oh, he has X-Pac heat. Like, I saw that on Twitter the other day. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Um, what is this? That was a stupid-ass comment. Oh, Jimmy Uso got X-Pac heat. Like, shut up. It, yeah, it's great that Jay's game pops. And I'll talk about Jay in a couple of seconds, but, like, yeah, Jimmy Uso is a heel. Why would I want to cheer him? And why is that? Why does that make his booking bad compared to Jay when Jimmy is doing his job? It's not Jimmy Uso's fault that Roman Reigns doesn't want to show up to these shows. That's on Joe and Hawaii. That's not on Jimmy. So, <laughs> so Jimmy has to suffer because Roman's not there. That's his fault. That's creative's fault. I, I don't know. What dumb ar- argument that is. But um, what's not going to be dumb, though, is John Cena and Grayson Waller. I'm really excited for that Grayson Waller effect tomorrow night. I think that's going to be pretty good. And then, um, you know, um, it looks like we're going to get Asuka and EO for the Women's Championship finally. Uh, looks like that's going to be a match. That's going to be a, either a program. I know they said that it's not going to be this week, but the following week we'll have Asuka and EO for that. Uh, woman's title that's gonna be a dope match on television so i think that's probably a a match that they wanted to feature there because um i don't know that's probably a match that's not going to be on uh fast lane right so um either way having asuka and eo in the same room with each other is gonna be badass uh let's talk a little bit about monday night raw as we talk about badasses, we had Rhea Ripley retain her uh raw women's uh my bad the women's world championship over Raquel Rodriguez was that was a pretty solid physical match for the main event. And it's pretty cool for her that she got the main event uh time slot. Uh both uh Raw and Smack uh by bad Raw and NXT this week were uh closed out by the women. So it, that that's pretty cool. Um Rhea Ripley retained over Raquel. I mentioned the stuff with Nia Jax earlier. You know, Rhea needs other people to wrestle. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't bother me that uh Nia Jax is back. Am I a fan or a mark for her? No. But I, I'm not gonna come here and shit on the girl. Uh I, I Rhea needs more competition and her putting um her putting Rhea over is gonna be a good look for Rhea and it's a different type of match too. So it I, I have no issues with that. Um Raw this past Monday was at the Norfolk Scope, and I thought this past week's Raw was pretty solid. I wouldn't say this was like a great show or anything, but I thought the show was really solid in the fact that um, there was, I just felt like there was a lot of good susses and plot points towards the feuds that have been brewing and stuff like that. Um, obviously, a lot of the threads in the shows about Jay Uso and whether or not he's going to be accepted by the Raw locker room. We're going to have Jay Uso and Drew McIntyre uh, uh, this coming Monday. Um, Jay and Kevin lost the match to the Judgment Day uh, on Monday, and that was a very good tag team match. And 
you know, that question's out there. Can you trust Jay? Will Jay revert to his old ways? <laughs> Is Jay using the audience to have sympathy for him? You know, <clears throat> you don't really don't know where things stand out there with Jay Uso, and you would want to see him benefit from, you know, uh, getting the momentum with the crowd, him doing stuff with Sami Zayn now, maybe something with him and Cody Rhodes pops up. But Jay Uso's um, presence on Raw is having a ripple effect throughout the entire show, which is another good thing to notice because, you know, Raw's really been dominated by the Judgment Day uh, for this entire year, actually. And when you see what's going on with the group, uh, it's like nobody can stop them. They're They're on a lot of segments. They dominate a lot of TV time. And the results speak for themselves. Uh, Judgment Day is a really popular act, and I think that um, they should deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, so that that's the thing. We're going to see how long this tag team title reign goes for Finn and Priest. I mentioned before, there is a logical way you could go about Priest missing out on his cash-in due to Finn Balor costing him the briefcase. And uh, we'll get more to session where that goes. But, you know, now with uh, the Street Profits and Lashley confronting the Judgment Day, I am totally convinced that the Street Profits will eventually get those titles off of uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And uh, that will start the trickle-down effect of who is going to get kicked out of the Judgment Day. And that's the question I want to pose to you guys because I think it is inedible. I think we all can agree with that, right? That either Finn Balor or Damian Priest will get the boot from uh, Judgment Day. But the question is who and who should that be? So if you're watching and listening to this, um, let me know. Who do you think will be kicked out of the Judgment Day and how would you go about it? Uh, I'm being curious to hear your responses to that. Um, let's see what other stuff that stood out. Um, <laughs> I still pop it over the fact that Miz had that Miz TV the other week with um, the invisible John Cena. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, the Chad Gable and Gunther uh, segment I thought was very good. Very, very good. I posed the idea last week that maybe you could do like a gauntlet match to make sure that Gable earns another shot at Gunther. But uh, Alpha Academy and Tommaso Chapa defeated Imperium in a, a trios match. By the way, it's it, it's interesting when you we see six man tag team matches in WWE. It's not an eye roll, and the referees are actually doing their job. Like what a novel con- concept that is, you know. <laughs> so um, Gable shows some good fire, and you know Bully Race says it all the time. If you're a babyface and you're saying. God damn it! I swear to God, I'm gonna do this. You gotta, you gotta deliver. So, will Chad Gable have that opportunity to become the Intercontinental Champion? That remains to be seen. And then, um, again, I, I really don't know what's going on with Cody o- Cody Rhodes right now. It's like either he comes out and he's immediately interrupted by Dominic. It's like Dominic is just obsessed with Cody Rhodes. So either. We're going to have Cody and Dominic fight each other again at Fastlane, or it's going to be Cody against uh, J.D. McDonough on Raw in one of these episodes coming up soon. I don't know. 
something's up there with Cody. You know, Drew McIntyre's getting in his feelings over the fact that Jay Uso's on Raw. He may want to take that anger out on Cody. They haven't passed with each other. If, if Jay's the avenue to make Drew turn into a bad guy and go after Cody Rhodes, I'm all I'm all for that. I think that'd be a good rivalry, and I'm all game for that. But um, I wouldn't say Cody Rhodes is in quicksand, but after SummerSlam, he's not really doing much right now. So uh, we'll have to see how that, that whole scenario plays out. And uh, as far as NXT is concerned, a couple really good matches that stood out to me was um, Wesley and Ilya Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov will get his rematch with Carmelo Hayes at NXT No Mercy. Uh, that's going to be a good match for the NXT title. Also, um, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Tyler Bate and Axiom. I thought that was a very good match as well on that program. But the the question and uh, program that everybody's talking about is uh, Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton, where Becky Lynch is now your brand-new NXT Women's Champion, and the man will be showing up a lot more times down there in Winter Park, Florida. i actually been to the WWE Performance Center before. I know that area pretty well, and um, uh, that's cool. That's very cool that Becky became the champion. And a lot of people, again, are saying, oh, Tiffany got buried, Tiffany got buried. Tiffany had a performance of her career on Tuesday, and that's not hyperbole. That's fact. I covered a lot of matches from Tiffany from where she first started to where she is now. She's she's going to be a big-time player. She really is. Just like I think Jake Hargill is going to be a big-time player, um, same thing with Tiffany Stratton. Uh, Becky could do a lot of good stuff with her. She could uh, continue her feud with Tiffany. Maybe Tiffany gets her title back at NXT, No Mercy. Maybe Becky could do something with Roxanne Perez or Blair Davenport or Cora Jade. Uh, you have options with Becky, and she is a big-time player from the, that NXT brand that never really got the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, how do I say this? Um, have the opportunity to have feuds and rivalries with titles on the line in NXT. She was never the NXT Women's Champion, you know? And um, I, I was very happy for her. You could tell how much that moment meant to her. But all this stuff about Tiffany Stratton being buried is just nonsense. Just pure and other nonsense. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention here, because we do got to get to uh, what else we're on AW. I don't want to make this podcast too long this week. Um, what I wanted to say was, um, the WWE and, uh, UFC TKO merger went down on Tuesday. Uh, it's now TKO, uh, group holdings. Yeah. TKO holding groups or something like that. Um, it's a merger. It went down. We have TKO. The WWE is no longer solely owned by McMahon. And uh, a lot of questions up in the air. I know that um, layoffs are coming soon as it comes with all merger. That's just part of business. It's also part of being an independent contractor. I get it. Budget cuts, uh, layoffs, and stuff like that. Especially for a big business like that, there's definitely going to be layoffs. So um, my thoughts in regards go out to um, – all the employees out in Stanford who unfortunately may lose their jobs uh, this time tomorrow. 
Um, my thoughts are with you. It's a crappy part of business, but it comes with the territory, and I think a lot of those people will get back on their feet. So it, it's an unfortunate situation. I, I do understand that, and I have sympathy for that situation. Um, and there's a lot of questions. You know, what will change? What will come out of this merger? I think that this merger is mutually beneficial for both USC and WWE due to the fact that they're under the same umbrella. They're kind of like the last outlaw group uh, within sports and in entertainment where um, they can do what they want and they're going to do things on their own terms and they're not dictated by stuff that really doesn't matter. Uh, But also, you know, that comes with the bad stuff too. You got to... You gotta be accountable and there's gotta be consequence for this stuff, you know. I think that Dana White is one of the biggest clans on God's green earth. But, you know, you gotta hold the dude accountable, man. There's no excuse for slapping your wife in public. Like that's just BS. But um the whole situation with WWE and USC, I think it's beneficial because from a business and distribution point of view I think they could benefit from each other in a lot of ways. You know, USC makes a lot of money off their pay-per-views and the whole stuff with people betting on it on DraftKings and all that other stuff. Um, They have a good thing going for them. And we all know, especially this year specifically, the amount of business WWE's doing, especially with the houses they've been getting on Raw and SmackDown, these PLEs. Not only that, but the money and... House house show attendance. I think there was a house show recently that had eight thousand people there. Hell, AW wished they had eight thousand people there for Dynamite. <laughs> so, uh, business is booming right now for WWE. You know, the TV rights deals are coming up soon, so that could be another big source of income. Let alone what they're doing right now. Um, so I, I do think this merger is going to be beneficial for both entities. I really do. But, you know, everybody's attention is going to be on Vince McMahon and the the booking because that's the only thing wrestling fans care about in 2023. I don't. I look at the I look look at things from a macro point of view and, you know, business doesn't lie. So for those like myself in the weeds and other people who record podcasts like this, yeah, there's going to be weeks where not everything's going to be a home run and stuff like that. But uh, the notion out there that today's product is not good and it's not beneficial from a business standpoint. It's just not true. If the product and the content is not good enough for the, for the industry, then why are they generating the reference revenue that they are? People must like it. People seem to like the show and they're generating revenue for the people who hate watch them too, which the funny thing too, nobody brings up. You would be amazed by the amount of people who spent time hate watching everything that goes on with WWE. Yet that's giving them more clicks on their digital platforms and more money. Because I've been to shows at WWE where people behind me would be talking as if they're recording a wrestling podcast. Where it's like, oh, I hate this, I hate that. The entire time they're they're at the show, people will spend money for stuff they hate watch. I don't subscribe to that type of mindset because I'm a normal fucking human being. And if I don't want to be at some place, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to waste my money going to a show that I don't like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I, I do think there can be benefits 
from this thing. But again, everybody's attention is going to be on Vince McMahon, and that's their prerogative. Um, my thing is that I think that um, it's going to be beneficial for both parties, and I think that uh, on the business side, I don't think they have anything to really worry about. So we'll see how things go from there. But um, on that note, it's time for the main event. <laughs> It's scheduled for one fall with an unlimited time limit. And if you're easily offended, that's a you problem, not a me problem. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, for another restaurant quality edition of What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, a two, a one. Your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat. Your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time is now. My time is right. God damn now. Man, what intensity. The quality of the product and the quality of the shows is at an all-time high right now. But... I do know that it's a real war between AEW and WWE. I'm still cashing fat checks, and I am still banging the hottest bitch in this entire place. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No, no. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, All then. right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck, fuck shit, this I'm shit, I'm out. That's what Jake Cargill said as she was exiting the Heritage Bank Arena, which nobody was there last night for Dynamite. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, everybody, to Whose Podcast is Time, what everybody's been waiting for. What the hell is wrong with AW? Brought to you by the good folks at the World of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and uh, PWTorch.com. All right. Uh, lots of stuff, lots of to discuss. We have a extensive um, excrement impression that I need to go through tonight. So bear with me as I shuffle through four different cards to preview. <laughs> um, there's a lot of little side things that I want to mention as well, but there's a couple of things I want to put over first because, you know, the premise of the segment is what the hell's wrong with AW. Really, the answer is nothing's wrong with AW conceptually. You know, it's good that we have a new company out there. It's good that there's a place for other wrestlers to work. All that stuff is fine. But for those who get the gist of the segment, the gist of the segment is that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who do shows like this and on X or Twitter, wherever you want to call it, that act like AW does nothing wrong. I come in here and point that stuff out to you. So <laughs> that's the gist of what the segment is. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are uh, sensitive when it comes to AW criticism. And I wouldn't be surprised down the road if uh, Don Stevens will try to shut down our YouTube channel. And um, let, let's start things off on a positive note, shall we? 
I want to play uh, what everybody's been talking about over the last 24 hours besides the Jay Cargill stuff was a reenactment of a very popular segment from TNA Wrestling, uh, which is Steiner Math. And this segment here that we're going to play here is MJF last night on Dynamite on TBS with hashtag Friedman Math. Let's, uh, let's check this out. If you wrestle me, I promise on my life, I am going to choke you out. And if you don't believe me, let me get it through your thick, fat skull with some simple math. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% chance at best to beat me. Then you add my boy Cole watching my back to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, at our match at Grand Slam, you got a 33 and one-third chance of winning. But I got a 66 and two-third chance of winning because everyone in New York knows you can't beat me. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and one-third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and one-third chance of winning at Grand Slam. But then you take my 75% chance chance of winning since we're wrestling in my home state of New York and then you add 66 and two-third percent chance I got a 141 and two-third percent chance of winning at Grand Slam see Joe the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you in Arthur Ashe disaster because we're better than you baby tremendous <laughs> tremendous I, I, I don't I don't know what's better use of the microphone this week LA Knights uh Reedition of Kevin Nash's uh, adjective promo from Nitro, or this reenactment of Scott Steiner's uh, <laughs> math promo. Hashtag Freeman Math. Educate yourself, um, unwashed masses, as MJF would say. <laughs> um, that that segment was great. Um, MJF could. Uh, sell anything, man. He he is so good at what he does. Uh, I I really enjoy his work, man. He's he, when he calls himself a generational talent. That's um that's not a lie, man. That's that is the God given truth, man. And I always say, man. Besides, like like Christian Cage and all this stuff with the dead fathers and pro uh, hitting on the mothers promos he's doing now. Like Ed Jeff is one of the few saving graces for AEW for me, so uh, that 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 segment was tremendous. Uh, there's really not much that I want to discuss here on Dynamite because there's really nothing there to discuss. Okay, we're in Cincinnati, or as M. Jeff would say, shit Cincinnati, uh, and we had we had John Moxley kick off the show, bleeding <laughs> during the first picture in picture against Big Bill. That match happens. Brian Danielson attacks Ricky Starks at ringside. It looks like their feud's gonna be continuing after what happened at um, All Out, and um, that's fine. But uh, it, it's just weird, you know. The the Blackpool Cuckoo Club, where it's like one moment they're baby faces, the next they're heels. Like, first off, I can't take them seriously. And two, I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to cheer or boo these guys half the time. So it's like, okay, they're having a afterbirth brawl, and out comes Claudio Castanoli, who's been a uh, character-wise a snobby uh, douchebag, uh, <laughs> acting like his shit don't stink. 
and he's coming out as a baby face, uh, fighting off the dreaded heels. Like I, I just, I don't get it. So one moment he's a baby face, and then the next he's a, uh, he's a snob elitist towards Eddie Kingston. Like, can we have some like consistency on this show? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't get it. We had Officer Bar Brady out there with his presence. It was what it was. Uh, Don Fallis. Uh, calling Kenose to catch the uh, the alpha whoopity do. Uh, Kenose, it looks like uh, Takashi will be fighting Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Dream. That is what it is. Um, it'd probably be a good match. We got we got Ibushi and we got the Walmart Ibushi. So uh, we'll see how that program plays out. Um, what else? Um, I'm slowly, slowly starting to like this stuff with Tony Storm. It's not because she has the whole chin up, tits out thing. Uh, I think she's doing some better stuff on TV character-wise. I think she's one, another one of those performers who gets in her own way at times. But uh, she's been putting out some good TV, and she won that Fatal 4-Way match. So she'll be uh, fighting uh, Soraya next week at Grand Slam. Let me bring this up really quick uh, because Grand Slam is next week. Do any of you give two shits about Grand Slam as a concept or the card that's going on next Wednesday? 6,000 people or 6,000 tickets from what I last recall are sold for the show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I remember the first Grand Slam show, people were making out like this is the next coming of WrestleMania. The hype and hoopla surrounding AEW at times just makes you lose IQ points at times when you're like hearing and reading this stuff at times. And it's, it's, it's fun to see people with blue check marks. You know who I'm talking about. It's like anybody from an objective point of view and watches television. You watched that show last night and you're telling me that I could sink my teeth into Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara one, I've never given two shits about Sammy Guevara since the beginning of AEW. And two, I've been saying for almost two and a half years now that Chris Jericho needs an extended break. So how can I sink my teeth into a Sex God singles match that I give two shits about? You know, why should I care? Why should I care about Darby and Nick Wayne against Sting and Darby Allen? You know? Why should I care about anything Swerve Strickland has to say when he got his ass kicked by a 64-year-old man and got put in a casket? And now I'm supposed to take him seriously against one of the biggest stars in the promotion and Hangman Page. Hey, props for offering a new different type of match. That's not a problem, but does anybody believe that Swerve Strickland's going to win a rivalry with Hangman Page? The best thing out of Swerve's presentation is Prince Nana doing that stupid-ass dance <laughs> the entire time. I mean, I could tolerate Prince Nana's dance besides that stupid-ass dance Daniel Garcia does all the time. God, that's terrible. <laughs> it just, like, I watched this show last night, and objectively, like, how can you say I can seek my teeth into what's going on with AEW programming right now? Outside of MJF and Adam Cole and Samoa Joe and the stuff with Roderick Strong, outside of the world title program, what's really there for me to sink my teeth into? 
that's that's what I'm really trying to figure out at this point. So a lot of this stuff is just there. Like I'm not saying that everything was bad last night. I liked the main event. I thought it was a good match. I put over the FGF segment. I thought Heyman and Brian Cage was a solid match. We've seen the match before, so I'm not really surprised by that. But uh, from a storyline point of view and just general interest point of view, the AEW product right now is bland. It's just there. It's nothing that I feel right now on their show that's must-see for me. It's nothing there that I need to buy a ticket for. And obviously, I'm not alone in that sentiment because look at the ticket sales that they're getting. Oh, let's tout how many people they're at Wembley Stadium. And again, not to take away the special moment that they had at the show because it was a good event. But now we have uh, reports now uh, coming out from the UK that AW lied about the overall turnstile people that are at the show. So we go from 81,000 to 72,000 now. Biggest wrestling show of all time. Most people at a wrestling show of all time. It's a shoot, brother. <laughs> I heard Chris Jericho say this on the television show. I think it was Dynamite, right? It was a shoot. AW All In London had the most people at a wrestling show of all time. It's a shoot. Conrad Thompson was spewing that propaganda on all of his podcasts as well. There's, I, I leave no stone on turn. Nobody gives any uh, breaks here. Oh, biggest wrestling show of all time. My ass. It, it's okay for, uh, it's okay to go after WWE for va- fabricated numbers, but uh, how about the promoter that uses the dirt sheets to propagate his propaganda? But nobody wants to have that conversation, right? Yeah, most people at a wrestling show. Okay, I, I'll believe you next time when they get fifty thousand, because as we as history shows, and it happened last year at Grand Slam too. So I'm not coming here and being a hater. Facts are facts. After they have these big moments at these shows, everybody's like, "Oh, this could be the second coming. This is when AEW takes the next step." The next time they come back to that market, it's diminishing returns. Less people are going. Less people are going. I mean, look at the turnout at the United Center during All Out Weekend. And this is Chicago. I get it. Punk was fired. But, you know, it's just funny to me the the propaganda at times for the wrestling media when it comes to AEW where it's like the second coming of WCW at times. And then reality sets in. Oh, the biggest wrestling show of all time. AEW All in London. Oh, 72,000 people. Oh, we come back to the United States. Oh, we'll be lucky if we get 6,000 people at the arena. We'll be lucky if we have people who give a shit about Collision or Rampage on television. And Dynamite is in quicksand when it comes to their numbers because they can't get past over 950,000 if their life depended on it. So you tell me whether I'm being unfair to AEW or the wrestling my colleagues are unwilling to admit the fact that the AEW product right now is bland and it's just there. So you tell me. Tell me that I'm wrong, okay? <laughs> so it is what it is. Um, let's do the extra minute impressions so we can get out of here. And I, I want to make sure I give you my uh, predictions for uh, football this weekend. 
Uh, let me speaking of football. Yeah, damn. <laughs> I'm talking to you right now. It's the third quarter right now for the Eagles Vikings game. I know I, I haven't watched it. So I go on the ESPN right here. It says 27 to seven Eagles. By God, the Vikings are. I told you guys. Vikings were going to be a bad football team this year. Read build. Earth to people in Minnesota, it's time for the rebuild. <laughs> My God, they are getting their ass whipped. Holy moly. 27 to 7? Damn. All right. Well, uh, let me get my football picks loaded as I speak to you guys here. Um, all right. Let's do the X-Men impression. All right. <clears throat> all right. Let's do this. <laughs> Coming to you live tomorrow night on Rampage. It's another special TBS championship match. It's Chris Lannis. <laughs> I'm bumping myself so hard I can't even talk right now. All right. Take two. All right, here we go. Coming to you live tomorrow night on TT. It's another stellar edition of AEW Rampage. We have the team of Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel taking the team of the kingdom. For now, we have an eight-man tag team match with features the Lucia Brothers and the Hardy Brothers taking on the Butcher and the Blade, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. The AEW World Trio Champions, the Acclaim, will be in action. And also our main event for the AEW TBS Championship on the line. It's Chris Statlander taking on Jay Cargill. Then tomorrow night uh, on Collision, we'll have Brian Danielson and Claudio Casanelli taking on the team with Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, it's FTR taking on the team of the Iron Savages. Coming up next Wednesday on Dynamite, it's AEW Grand Slam. And don't forget, uh, the next uh, Friday is Friday Night Rampage Grand Slam as well. Let's take a look at the matches, shall we? First, we have Christian Cage and Dino Deuce taking on Darby Allin and Sting. For there, we have John Boxley taking on Ray Phoenix for the AW Who Gives a Fuck About Me Championship. For there, we have a winner-takes-all match for the Ring of Honor World Championship and a strong openweight championship. It's the champion Claudio Castanoli taking on the New Japan champion in Eddie Kingston. From there, we have a grudge match. Les Six Gods go to war. It's Chris Jericho against Sammy Guevara. From there, we have the AW Women's World Championship. Asriel takes on Tony Storm. And our main event for the AW World Championship is NJF against Samoa Joe. And don't forget, coming up on Sunday, October 1st, 2023, from the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, it's AW Presents Wrestle's Dream in honor of the great, late, great Antonio Inoki. And first match here we'll talk about is Hangman at a pace taking on Swerve Strickland and the dream match Brian Danielson against Zack Zaber Jr. Get all your tickets right now at awtix.com. That's awtix.com. <laughs> and on that note, we pose the question every week. You guys let me know what the hell's wrong with AW. This has been. What the hell is wrong with A-E-W? Everything. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. 
fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. As I'm recording this, I want to let though er, let everybody know that I do believe in God, and this picture you're seeing right now on the screen is not in any way trying to be offensive to the man upstairs. Uh, I'm actually paying homage to the man upstairs. <laughs> Look at this; it's the Last Supper. We got all the uh, uh, all the victims and uh, people who uh, like to partake in this thing called AW. Uh, we had the CM Punks, we got uh, Don Stevens there, we got Tony Klein, we got Pockets, we have Dan Klonson, Alexander Hantes, uh, Two-Faced Dipshit, we had Knock It, Knock It the Fuck Off, we got Cutlet, and the Harley Boys, and of course I can't forget Kenny Olivier. What a great picture here, uh, made by my good brother um, Joe Cerna, aka Humic. Um Shout out to you, good brother. By the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, OVW for uh, the, the release of their documentary series, Wrestlers, which is available now on Netflix. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I will be watching it this weekend. Um, I want to give a shout out to Al Snow and everybody down at OVW, and that's a pretty cool deal because we got to support all the professional wrestling in the world. So I think that's pretty cool. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, yeah, this this portrait is great. <laughs> it pops every time I see it. Um, okay, before we really do say goodbye for uh, this week's episode of the Hoots Podcast, uh, let's start off as we usually do to, as our final segment here. It's otherwise known as the Clown of the Week. I'm not Clown, 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 Clown. You're big Clown, 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 Clown. I need to do it one more time because this the winner of this week's Clown of the Week deserves it. I'm not Clown! 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 You're big Clown! 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 The Clown this week goes to the one and only Andrew Filipponi of the PM team on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This dude is the biggest clown in sports media right now, in my opinion. The fact this guy does have a radio job tells you what you need to know from program directors across this country. I'm going to play this audio, and this audio for itself will let you know why he's the clown of the week. And by the way, this is the same guy that said the Steelers were going to be in the Super Bowl this year and be 14-3. and And he's also Kenny Pickett's biggest dick rider. So, uh, Andrew Filipponi, congratulations. You are officially the clown of the week. <laughs> Let's check this out. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I have to subject you guys but uh, su- subject you guys to this, but it is what it is. Let's play this, shall we? They should take this microphone away from me. Donnie, I can't get things. any predictions right. That's what our listeners really wanted. They wanted me to make the day after Steelers 49ers all about myself. I said my piece for five minutes that I effed up. I couldn't have been more wrong. And we got into the game. True. I'm taking I'm taking, I'm taking, guff from a guy in Cleveland who's now apparently our ombudsman. He's our media critic. Okay, he's calling he was listening us out, to the show. Which, yeah, well, I'm I'm flattered by that. I, I'm supposed to take seriously a guy who went on his radio show and said this just the other day. I can't sit there and tell you that just because Deshaun Watson has the most power in the organization, and I do believe he does, because Deshaun Watson has the most power in the organization, he won't listen to anybody else and won't listen to reason. 
Remember, George Washington kept the circle around him and took ideas from everybody before he made any sort of a decision. Now, I'm comparing Deshaun Watson to George Washington. I know what I'm doing I'm supposed to take talk show hosting advice from a guy who compared a serial pervert and creep to our founding father? I mean, let's be honest. There's a decent chance George Washington was probably a pervert and a creep in some ways. The guy had wooden teeth. We would not be the United States of America without George Washington, Chris. And we thank him for his contributions. That's right. And now, 300 years later, he's got to get dragged through the mud and compared to a guy that had 20-plus women accuse him of absurd and disgusting behavior? And that guy wants to tell me how to do my show. Yeah, Watson Steelers never crossed 51, the Delaware. Browns nothing. That's what I want. Mm. He, barely crossed, he barely crossed midfield throwing the ball against the Bengals on Sunday. Did you see that interception he threw? It wasn't That good. was worse than any of Pickett's throws. Which is saying something. It really is. But they did win 24-3, to so All right, to the victor so, go the spoils. So let's go around. How are you feeling about Steelers-Browns? As conflicted as I've felt about a game in a while. In my mind, this is somebody, my uh, guy Dave, a friend of the show, tweeted me and said, Browns riding high, Steelers wounded, classic game that the Browns probably should win, and that's why they won't. And there's a huge part of me that is riding with that. Yep. The fact that that part of this seems so obvious has actually caused me to swing back the other way. That it's such an obvious Browns are going to blow it game that for once they might not. And then you could be in a real jackpot So you think here. Charlie Brown actually kicks the Lucy football in this game? But you understand like. my rationale, to be clear. It's so obvious that Lucy should be pulling the ball away from Cleveland here that for once it might be too is obvious. Is it Hayward's out and they've got Nick Chubb, who's the best running back in the entire world? I just said a wounded team is a dangerous team. Like everything Sometimes a wounded team just sucks because it's so injured and it can't make up for the injuries like their defense last year without Watt for half the season. Donnie, how are you feeling right now about Steelers-Browns? Uh, not super confident in the Steelers' offense. I don't know how anybody could be, but I am pretty confident that the the defense, even without Cam Hayward, uh, will have a, a pretty good bounce-back game. It's one that I don't think will be pretty by any means, uh, but I I am thinking that the Steelers will get in the win column Monday night. I don't know what score, but again, you can kind of infer by saying it's not going to be super pretty. But I I think I want to say it was the morning show today. Uh, They pointed out, I think the last two seasons, whenever the Steelers get blown out of the water by somebody, they come back and, and win the next game. Well, did you see the other stat, though, from Crowley? All right, that's enough there. That's enough. <laughs> as far as what the other guys said for the other uh, station, as you guys heard there, uh, for Cleveland, uh, I, don't, I have no sympathy for him either. Obviously, you guys know where I stand with Deshaun Watson and that whole situation. So everything Pony said there about Deshaun Watson exclusively, I agree. But just listen to the sound of his voice and how he carries himself on the air. Yes, you are a clown. You are a con. So, congratulations, Andrew, Mr. Pony Express. Mr. I want to be Colin Cowherd so bad. Um, you are the con of the week. Uh, all right. Let's um, take a quick uh, glance at these football picks before we wrap up this week's podcast. And um, I want to thank you all for watching the show so far. Everybody who's been liking it on Facebook. And make sure, for those watching here on YouTube, make sure to like this video 
and uh, subscribe to our channel. So not only help us uh, get us closer to that 1000 benchmark on uh, YouTube, but uh, let's help expand the reach of our channel as well. Um, all right, here are my picks for um, for this week, for week two. I have the Eagles beating uh, the Vikings. Uh, I have the Bears squeaking out a victory over the Bucks. I got the Cowgirls over the Jets. Bengals over Ravens. Lions over Seahawks, which should be a good one. Chargers get the win on the road against Titans. I have the, Col- uh, I have the Texans upsetting the Colts. Uh, I think C.J. Stroud gets his first victory as the NFL quarterback as they beat Anthony Richardson and the Colts in Houston. I have the 49ers being the Rams. I got the Dolphins being the Patriots. I got the Packers, unfortunately, beating the Falcons. Uh, I have the Saints beating the Panthers. Um, I have the Steelers beating the Browns on Monday Night Football. I got the Broncos beating the Commanders. And then the final two, I got the uh, Giants over the Cardinals in Arizona and the Chiefs um, over the Jaguars. Oh, also, I can't forget, also on um, uh, Sunday night, not Sunday, but uh, coming up on Sunday, I have the Bills over the Raiders. <laughs> so <laughs> those are my football peak, uh, picks, and uh, that's going to be a ribbon on the bull on this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. So I want to thank you all for hanging out with me tonight. It's a fun episode, as always. We're 22 episodes away from reaching episode 400, and I thank you all for hanging out with me, as always. Uh, this weekend for me is going to be a little tame. I'm just going to chill a little bit. Tomorrow I'm going to be spending some time downtown and relax a little bit. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And then um, we got football coming up this weekend, which should be good. And then uh, I think we got two more weeks left before we get to our, uh, our next set of pay-per-views to predict and stuff like that. So uh, we're in the slow track part of the year for the wrestling calendar. So I'm trying to make uh, this content fun and entertaining for you guys. And, you know, I know, I know, we didn't have anything to preview or, uh, or to predict this week, but uh, this was a fun episode nonetheless, and I love you guys. Um, don't forget to uh, be the authentic product that is yourself, and remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I'm Joshy. This has been episode 378 of the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, and we'll talk to y'all next week right here on the Hoots Podcast. Uh, yes, sir. Don't forget follow. The buzzards. Run. Bye-bye, bitch. <laughs>